just echo us a piece of words in expressing gratitude for your generous response to the appeal made to respond uh, to needs or crises uh, that some might be going through. Trusting that the Lord that has enabled you to respond this way will be pleased uh, to bless you even more abundantly in his ways of choice. So thank you for that glorious response. Secondly, thank you again for the candles by light, uh, night carols by candlelight, but also the Christmas services and the invitations that you made, uh, that the attendances for both uh, were absolutely God-honoring. So thank you for those efforts. Praying that as we make a transition in the year 2020, that our outreach efforts, personal evangelism, will even be more invigorated, that the Lord may not only make many come, but that will cause many to be saved uh, through your efforts as you do your part and as God ultimately uh, saves. Luke chapter 2, basically dealing with one of the resolutions that you must be making in the context of a woman related to the issues of the birth but being brought to the temple uh, to do what the Jewish law had prescribed. In that context we have a man and a woman uh, that respond to that glorious work in acknowledging the work that the Lord has done in the life of Israel uh, but in the whole lives of humanity. We begin reading from verse 36 and to 38. So reflecting on Anna and basically using or learning from her as an outstanding illustration of commitment to God's service. An outstanding example of commitment to God's service. And obviously if it's to his service, it is commitment to God himself. Unless you're committed to God, you'll have nothing unless it's for selfish reasons to be committed to his service. To reflect on a commitment to God's service, please do remember that this is commitment to God himself. My appeal to you that as we come into the year 2020, resolve, be determined, be committed to God to be committed to his service in some of the ways that we will be reflecting on as demonstrated by Anna. Verse 36 to 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and praying prayer night and prayer night and day. And coming up at, their, at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. If you're using the old translations, the rendering is basically as follows. Uh, in the place of praying, and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fastings and praying night and day. With fastings and praying as a continuous activity night and day. Others state worshipping as a different activity and then give praying and fasting as part of what she was doing. Other versions uh, use worship as the overall and what follows as the elements 
or the aspects of worship that she was involved in. Reflection on her is not so much in the context of the Jewish fulfillment of what the Lord Jesus was brought, the parents of the Lord Jesus brought him to the temple to fulfill, but rather focusing on her life as a life of commitment, a commitment of more than 84 years. The text does not tell us she died at 84. The text assumes she lived beyond 84. One of the things you notice that like, unlike Simeon, she's not asking to die just then. Uh, the other one is saying, look, I think now it's done, I can go home. For her, all we are told is that she's celebrating the redemption that has come. So she did live beyond 84 years. As far as I know, I'm not sure how many among us are 84 other than myself. Uh, there might be three of us or two. So just think in these terms, that if she's going to be an example and God grants you to be 84, will you be as committed as she was? And obviously every year that came and passed, was a year as a Jewish practice would be, she would go to the Passover, she would rededicate her life, she will again echo the vows, I will save you as long as I live, I am going to remain here, this is the life that you've designed for me. Are you 50? Are you 35? Are you 15? Transition of a year must bring about this recommitment and Anna being that outstanding outstanding illustration and in every sense of the word she is an exemplar example she's a unique example 84 and counting day and night not a single day missed praying and fasting worshiping and ministering as a prophetess in the house of god Will that be your commitment in the year 2020? Some of us have decided that the way to commit yourself in the year 2020 is to go and leave. Please do not commit yourself to serving the Lord. The text gives us the record of who Anna was. She was a prophetess, which meant she had a special gift of declaring and interpreting God's message. It was in a place where she was able to say, this is what God has said, and this is how you respond. And it is with that duty that the section closes. And coming up at that very hour, she, be, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She would come up and give thanks and announce to the people, this is the day that we've been waiting for. Are you still waiting for redemption? This is it. This is the vessel. This is the person. She was a prophetess. She was gifted to declare and challenge people to live by the word. <laughs> there were several prophetesses in the scriptures and among them Miriam, Deborah, Haulda, Nodia, and the wife of Isaiah. The evangelist Philip had four daughters who were prophetesses. And their assignment was to declare God's word. She was the daughter of Fanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. At the point this was happening, she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and thereafter she lived a widowed life. She was a widow beyond 84 years. What we do this morning in the context of a transition is simply to make observations on her commitment 
and learning from her regarding her commitment to God and to his service. I will challenge you that this be your resolve in the year 2020. What is it that she was committed to? And what does commitment, as we reflect on these verses and Anna's commitment, how does commitment look like? The first observations we make that commitment in the text and in the life of Anna is to a cause or a person or an activity. You commit yourself to something or to an individual or to an event or an activity. And this woman was committed to all of the above. She was committed to a person, God. She was committed to a cause, waiting for the redemption of the Savior. She was committed to activities, fastings and praying and worshiping. She was committed in time as well, and we'll consider that. But commitment is to a cause, it is to a person or an activity. If you are Bishop Umpundu, your commitment might be the Roman Catholic who make it very difficult for anyone to read the elections 2021. That might be your commitment. You've done that in 2019. Everyone planning to read, they're thinking, how can we beat this scrutinizing eye? If you are people from Chuala, your commitment might be to ensure that God does not, whatever that means, does not infringe on your rights. Sometimes you think, isn't it too late? There is a suit that is raised again. That's your commitment. Unfortunately, there are people whose commitment that before the year 2019 ends, I must steal as much as possible. Before 2020 comes, I should be comfortable. Might be a commitment. Well, I'm challenging you to be committed to the cause, to the God, and to the activities that Anna committed herself to in those verses. Anna was a widow who had devoted herself to the worship and service of God in the temple. She never left the temple. She was committed to service. She was committed to serving God. Look at the text. And there was a prophetess. That already tells you what her service was, what her assignment was. And in that office, she would render that service and more. A daughter of Fanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years having lived with her husband then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple. Worshipping with fastings and praying night and day. Went to the temple to serve. You went to the temple to engage in other public activities. My thrust is that she dedicated all of her life to the service of God. She never now, the meaning is debated. Uh, it doesn't look like that literally she didn't. It is argued that she frequented. Whatever the meaning is, that it could not be missed. That a commitment to temple service would fit to be described as did not depart. So whether she was housed there, whether she stayed nearby, but she always was at the temple, we're not sure, but she committed herself to the service of what we may call today church life. Every time there is a work to be done, you're looking for somebody, you'd find her. 
If you came to church and you're looking for people to pray, you would find her. If you're coming to church, look for a people that are worshiping, you would find her. Come to church and looking for people that are sweeping the sanctuary. She's probably there, maybe seated in the corner and supervising, but she's committed to the service of God. I'd like to urge you that like Anna be committed to the service. And this service clearly does underline that she was committed to public worship. She was committed to public worship. Whatever church service, and you understand the Jewish way of doing things, she's going to be there three times a day and on special occasions. She's going to be there at the morning watch. She's going to be there in the afternoon. She's going to be there in the night. She will be available at all public worship activities. So that in the text, she is described as she did not depart from the temple. She was always there. There's a man called Aldis who has commented on this commitment and he writes, it is this comment in his commenting on a neglectors, to neglectors of public worship. I know that there are not a few who say that they can edify as well or better at home. Hence, these eat their muscles alone. But so far as I have ever known them, they are neither to be envied nor imitated. They have always been feeble, sickly, useless, spiritual, deceptics. While as certainly all observation has shown me and all experience has proved to me that they who neglect the house of prayer or come to it reluctantly and rarely are invariably dull in their spiritual conceptions, cold in their affections, wavering in their convictions, and useless in Christian work while they are easily laid away by the force of temptation. You have there the language that was not avoided during the time of the reformers and the Puritans, that this man would not hesitate to use the word, they are useless. Probably to use that word today, I'd need to go for a church meeting and break the pastor's contract. How dare he call us that? All he said is simply this. You cannot neglect public worship. You can't neglect it. You neglect public worship, you do this at your own peril. You do this at your own danger. And so this man clearly says, arguing that I can edify myself probably even better just as home and eat alone, start the scriptures alone, and only alone. He says, as far as is ever known, such people must not be envied, they must not be imitated. He would gladly say that this woman must be imitated, that our commitments must be emulated, that it must be said of us, we do not neglect public worship. We do not neglect church services. We do not keep ourselves away from church life. But that we part and parcel of this life. There are people who stay away from church such that when they come, they are probably surprised of what has happened. Oh, is this even this? So you're thinking, I remember here. Didn't you know we've always had stones here? Are you that member? Please do not keep away from public worship. 2020 be resolved that you will be to some degree, to some God-honoring degree, you'll be like this woman, that it will be said of you, committed to the service of God committed to the public worship of God, committed and therefore worthy to be emulated. 
to be an example, to be followed, that if people are looking for somebody to encourage them to be available as regularly as they are able, that you would be that example. This woman was committed to service. This woman was committed to public worship, and I'm treating those basically as one. The question is this. Do you serve God? How do you serve Him? How do you serve Him? Well, but secondly, you serve Him in an ident identifiable way? Well, how committed are you to that service? Are you regular or you are irregular? Are you sporadic or you are consistent? Do you save in a committed way? as Anna saved. She worshipped. Prayings and fasting. Saving God with fastings and praying. She was committed to public worship. Secondly, she was committed to the means of grace. She was committed to the means of grace. She was just committed to public worship in general. She knew what the activities she needed to be involved in. She knew what she needed to do. She didn't simply come to the temple and sit. She came and prayed. She fasted. She proclaimed the good news. Again, the same man commenting on this, and in a little bit an extended way, I didn't find it prudent to summarize his comments. How this again, on the blessedness of public worship and the means of grace. On the other hand, quite as certainly all who through long years have been early and constant in their attendance on the means of grace, who have planned carefully and toiled hard that they might be so, who have brought to the exercises of religion an attentive mind and a living heart, have so far as my observation has, has extended, been distinguished for the cheerful truthness of Christian hope, for the consistent devotedness of Christian life, for diligence and success in Christian work, while they have been to all their brotherhood an example and an inspiration and a joy. One more illustration on the love for public worship and the means of grace. Delighting in God's house. Somebody has written, a minister noted among the most regular attendants at his church, an aged woman. On all occasions, she was in her place, always in time, always attentive. He sought her out and visited her. And great was his astonishment to find this poor woman so deaf as to be unable to hear a single word. By means of a slate, that is a piece of writing board, he entered into conversation with her. And his first question was, why? Because you are too deaf to hear one word of the service. Are you so regular in your attendance? at the house of God. Oh, Sasha replied with warm tears swelling up from her eyes. It is my father's house and I love to be there. He meets me in his own sanctuary and I can in his spirit join in the prayer and praise. Though the words of others may not reach me, and as Jesus speaks to my soul, I hear the whispers of his love. Though my outer ears are dead to all the sounds of earth, I love to be in the assembly of God's people because they are the people of God, the children of my Father, and it is very pleasant to be in such good company. Though I can no longer converse with them, there is now very little left that I can do for the cause and the kingdom of my Redeemer besides trying to set a right example. My day for active effort is past, 
And all I can now do is to seek to influence others by the power of a humble and earnest life. Even this will soon be over. And while the opportunity remains, I will improve it for my master's glory. He did not in his last hour of the deepest agony forget us poor sinners. And shall we weary of our lightest yoke and throw it off before our last hour has come? There is somebody who valued public worship. But at some point she was able to hear. Along the way she lost her hearing. But that would not keep her away from church. And one of the convictions was simply to be among God's children. Just being there. Just to shake their hands. To look at them. I may not hear the words. Oh, but then she had another conviction. To be an example. To be an example to this activity. That as people see me in my corner, they will be challenged to come. We have Anna in that woman. At 84, we're not sure how much hearing she had retained. We're not sure how much eloquent she was in her speech. We're not sure how steady she was in her legs. We're not sure how long she could endure in one position. But it is said of her. And please notice, it is at 84 years. We're not reading this at 73. She is not 57. She is not at 40. She is 84. And it is said at that age, she's never departed. Somebody has observed her, and as you've read Luke, he's researched this particular history. He's investigated her life, and he's come to historical facts. He's probably talked to her. How long have you been coming? How often are you here? At what point did your husband die? From that point, what has been your life like? And Luke summarizes it for us. She valued the means of grace. I get your commitment to be available for any possible church meeting that you are available and are required to attend. Are you a youth? Don't just go for bride on 1st January. When I was a young minister, now I think getting old, I would have deliberately gone to look at how many are here, then come to the youth meeting the following Saturday and see who is not there. And then ask, what is it that brought you to the bra? And the answer would be food. Now it should be a means of grace that you are there to have fellowship, to listen to the preaching. She was doing all this because of her commitment to God. She knew the God of Israel so that when this God sends his son, that the time of redemption is physically fulfilled, she's able to stand as the lady will tell us. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So ultimately, she was committed to. It is God and his work. There is a song that praised him some, but basically to the effect that, let's love this Jesus. Let's be committed to this one. That's all we are about. That's why we created as you look at the 2019, you'll probably, like many, see blemishes, be spots, lack of commitment. You could have done better on this and that. You could have read the Bible more. You could have attended more Bible studies, prayer meetings, church services. You could have taught more. You could have started to impact more. Maybe you had too many things on your plate, and therefore your preparations, your abilities to deliver where you're hampered. Well, I'd like to urge you, commit yourself more 
in the year 2027 more, love him more, labor for him more, study, spend yourself and be spent for him. He's given you glorious gifts for his service and among them life. What are you doing with it? This woman committed herself to her God and service to God. Because commitment implies a cause, a person, or an activity. People can say, she is committed, and when you ask to what, you answer to nothing. Now you're committed to something or somebody. No, she's very committed to what? No, I don't know. Well, how do you know she's committed? She was committed to God. She was committed to fastings and praying. She was committed to declaring the oracles of God. She was committed to her Savior, the Redeemer of Israel. Oh, here is the implication if you are not saved. When Christ is brought in the temple, she stands up and thanks God because she knows that this redemption which is anticipated is an experience. She's a redeemed person. She's saved and she's going to declare what she has and knows. And that's what she's going to give thanks for to God. Thank you for redemption through your son. Age. The oldest person I've seen be grateful is my grandmother. You go home and you buy salt. I mean, she wants to dance a little more, but her bones are just saying, sit down, they'll break. <coughs> so all she does is her hand. Uh, can you just say the word without the hand? She's excited. Well, here is this old woman, 84. The language used. Look at the text. Verse 38. And coming up, she's going to walk. She, she's going to show a walk of order, but in jubilant. She's not in some corner and kind of, no, she's walking. That's how ecstatic she was. That's how excited about her Savior. Now, an announcement is always given, and they rightly so. Please, we must do this. Stand up if you are able. I ask, do you remain seated because you are unable, or because you are less excited? Stand up if you are able. Implication, if you are not, please be seated. If you're sick or you're dizzy, a little hungry like me, remain seated. But if you are able, God has given you ability and you are seated. You're not following this one. You're not following this one. Surely she would make you feel ashamed. Because she would stand if she was here and if she was able. <laughs> if you sit, please do sit. You're not well, I'm not saying you stand up even when you are not able. The emphasis is this, are you able to stand? But the reason you don't is simply, the Lord should fall. Is that the reason? Secondly, commitment implies some reasonable duration or period or length of time. Commitment implies a reasonable duration or period or length of time. That look, if you just did something for three minutes and people say, no, it's very committed to prayer. Three minutes, once in a week. No, no, no. Commitment implies that there is a length, there is a duration, there is a period of doing this and after assessing that time, then you are able to say, it's quite committed to this activity. And the reason you say that because the person has been doing the activity consistently for some time. If you've just driven once, he's committed to driving. How often? What commitment is that? 
Now commitment implies duration. And that's what the story is telling us. At 84, we are told she lived with the husband from her virgin time, seven years, and you basically are reading, here is a young woman, even before she was married, she was virtuous. She had committed her life to godliness. So that when we read in verse 38 and 37, that she's 84, we can rightly say that for all her life, the whole of her life, she's lived a committed life. She's instructed in a Jewish home. She's obeyed the parents. They question these young men are dangerous. She fled from them. Just seeing a young man run, that's how she lived. Not literally. But she fled from the passions of youth. So that the scriptures define her that at the point of her being married, is a virgin. Seven years, husband dies. Okay, goodbye. From this point on, we're not sure what the circumstances were, whether there were simply no other people coming or that was a choice. From that point, her life is the life of the temple. It's a life of fasting. It's a life of prayer. And it's that length that qualifies us to say about her that she was committed. Was committed to this activity. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Fanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not. So why do we call her activity of not departing from the church a commitment? Because that's what she had done for all those years. Yet in, yet out. Please be resolved to be committed not for a week, not for two weeks, for the rest of your life as the Lord will give it to you. You're never too young not to serve the Lord. Never too old to serve the Lord. There is always something the Lord has for each one of us to save. Thirdly, commitment implies regularity and consistency or constancy. Commitment implies regularity and consistency or constancy. Be said to be committed, you must be doing this thing for this cause, you, you must be committed to this person, you must be committed to this event for a duration of time, regularly, consistently, not just occasionally. If it's occasional, that's what it is. It's occasional. Once in a while, that's what you do. So do you repair vehicles? Yes, I do. But once in a while, once in a while, that's not the regular thing I do. Do you pray? For some of us, it will be once in a while. Do you evangelize? For most of us, it will be once in a while. Do you give? Once. In a while, she did not depart. This was her regular lifestyle. One somebody has said this basically means that she did not depart from the temple, means that she was found at the temple at all stated prayers or meeting hours of the day. And even during the night service of the temple watch, as of Psalm 134. Is what the psalmist in 134 writes. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. There are others who minister in the day, but there is a group that ministers, and this woman ministered or was there for both during the day 
during the night watch, as it was called. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Bless who? All you servants of the Lord who minister by night. And you read of this woman. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. All I'm underlining there is simply this. Let there be a regularity. Let there be a consistency. Be constant in your Christian service. Anna's regularity is described as she never left the temple but worshipped their night. Anna's commitment was forever a long, long period of time. Anna's commitment was for over a long, long period of time. Do you have self-prescribed breaks when you should be serving? Now this year, uh, I think praise team Malaba Kopa break. Is that you? Uh, the children are too much a problem. I think let me just go away. But I'll be coming. Even if they cause confusion, you are on a self-imposed and not God-impressing self-imposition break. Are you consistent? Are you consistent in your commitment to God? Fourthly, commitment dem demands deliberate self-exertion. Commitment demands deliberate self-exertion, in short, effort. You work at it. I don't think it was easy for this woman. Stand up, go to church, go home. Come during lunch, go home. Evening, come, go home. Years pass, 50 years, 60 years, 70. You, we know from physical life, it's a corrupt life, that the older you get, the difficult it becomes to do certain things. For a long time, some of us who played soccer, you just think, Ndemubela. So your son comes and is running and you think now overrun him and you discover he's twice your speed and you think who I joy jamba introduced. No, it's you, your body. You, you lift your leg, you think it will reach here, you just discover you're on the ground because the other one can't support you. Things get difficult. She, she was having difficulties, maybe even to walk. Maybe she had even found a stick. But what kept her going? Self-exertion. The, the time in which she got to church was getting less and less. Maybe when she was 50, she would get to church in 30 minutes. When she was 70, one hour. Well, when she is 80, maybe one and a half hours. She's not giving up. She's going to adjust the time she starts off from home. With less responsibilities, more time. With more responsibilities, less time. She's not going to give up. She's observing herself so that at 84, she was an amazing woman. You read about and coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak. At 84, day and night. Commitment demands exertion. Lastly, biblical commitment is anticipatory in nature. Biblical commitment is anticipatory in nature. You commit it because there is an anticipation of a glorious realization in future. And the ultimate realization, the ultimate anticipation for us is the return. It's the coming back. We do all we must in anticipation of his coming. It's a glorious motivation 
And that's what we given in verse 38. That's what also kept this man that we read about earlier also going. In Luke chapter 2, verse 26. And it had been revealed to him that in this man, uh, we have made verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for, anticipating, looking forward to, waiting for. What is it that he was waiting for as we read the scriptures? The consolation of Israel. The comfort. Now, when you read that word, please be reminded, these were not easy times. Israel was going through all kinds of things, and they were looking for One of the reasons they were looking to the Messiah, or for the Messiah to come, was for them to be liberated. So they will be set free. This yoke is too heavy. So the text tells us, for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. The Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And when Anna comes on the scene, it's the same anticipation. She declared the redemption that was being awaited by the Israelites. She began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption. It was anticipatory. They were looking forward to it. In your service to God, in your commitment to God, please do know that you're working towards an end. You're working towards a glorification. You're working towards a crown. You're working towards a blessing. You're working towards Christ saying, well done, my faithful servant. Faithful in few, in our words, committed in few things. Entrusted with many. You're committed to something because you're looking forward to something. She was eight, four years of age. She had therefore lived through the long, sad period of war, conquest and oppression which had intensified in every Jewish heart. The yearning for national deliverance by the promised Messiah. That's what she looked for. Every day was torture. What kept her going? The redemption of Jerusalem. The consolation for Israel. What must be our anticipation? The return the return of Israel. She moved from the tribe of Asher and remained in the temple waiting for the appearing of God's promised Messiah. Anna spread the good news among the other faithful members of the remnant who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. The excitement began to spread as more and more people heard the good news. That's what she was looking forward to. Are you committed because you're looking forward to the coming Savior? Are you committed to serve him? Are you committed to this God? But are you committed because you are saved? If you're committed to religious things but you are not saved, it's no use. It's a waste of time. There is a redeemer. There is a Savior. There is a comforter, the one who brings consolation, his name is Jesus Christ. Anna did not depart from the temple. She was persistent, faithful, constant, and hence, and hence a woman preeminently. Anna departed not from the temple. She depended on God. She saved God with fastings and prayers night and day. She demonstrated biblical self-denial. 
profound devotion and constant watchfulness. Someone has put it this way as we close. We are singing prayed, Anna gave thanks. It would seem as if there was just the faintest touch of self-consideration in the prayer of Simeon, as they wished to be gone from the sin that wearied him. The prophetess, 80 and 4 years old, constant through all changes, hope through all fears, was willing to linger longer, for she spoke nothing of her own release. But thank God for his mercy, comforted many that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Blessed are they who can see in their old age and turn all their own experience into comfort for those who mourn. You young, will you be a blessing when you are old? You old, are you sure you are a blessing? 2020, may I please beg you. Let's follow Anna, be committed to God, be committed to public worship, be committed to the means of grace, and be committed because commitment is persistent, it's constant, it's regular, it's for a long period of time, but let's be committed because we know that one day the Savior will come and say, well done. Please resolve. Please resolve. And there are practical areas in which you can be committed. Very specific. Don't be vague. If you've been reading the Bible 25 minutes, give yourself another 10, 35 minutes. You've been praying once a week, increase it to three. Been coming only as you chose, come as regularly. You don't belong to a ministry, belong to one. You don't give your time, begin to do so. You don't do a devotion as a family, it is determined that next year you will. You sing with less enthusiasm, put in your energy. Be committed. Be committed. Be committed in the year 2020. And then we can sing together, who is on the Lord's side, who will save the king. Who will be his helpers, other lives to bring? Who will leave the world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for him will go by the call of mercy, by the grace divine? We, I hope, that your prayer and your resolution will be on the Lord's side. Savior, we are yours. Adieu. May God grant that you will be. Amen.